0: Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my Rock and my Redeemer. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. We are continuing our look at the um, Sermon on the Mount uh, from Matthew five, and today we're going to be looking at what Jesus has to say about retaliation. Um, he said, "You've heard it said that it it was said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil." But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go a mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and don't refuse the one who would borrow from you. So, <clears throat> what what we've got is is a, a group of things that Jesus brings together. And the first one has to do with an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Where does that come from? Well, it goes back at least to Hammurabi's law code, which, is, which pre-exists the Bible, actually. And then, But it also is found in the Bible in Exodus 21, 24. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Um, Deuteronomy 19, 21, your eye shall not pity. It shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Exodus 21, 23 to 25, but if there's harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. And it goes on and on. There are multiple places there where that is, um, the, the, where that's being said and held up as the standard. And it seems cruel and awful, right? But what it actually does is limit the amount of harm that can be done when harm is done to you. It limits it to the extent of the harm that was done to you. You shouldn't do any more harm than that. That that restores a balance in things uh, was the idea. And, and Jesus turns that whole idea on its head here in in this passage. You, you've heard it said, "An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth." So so you you respond in kind to an insult or whatever against you. Now, the one thing that I want to remind you here is is that 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 all this. In the Sermon on the Mount, begins with Jesus's proclamation, "Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand." That is the proclamation that he begins his ministry with, and then he begins to preach the gospel and begin to heal people, which is another method of preaching the gospel. Which is to say, the kingdom of God is drawn near, and the um, the proof of that is the restoration of all things. So, what Jesus is teaching in all of this on the Sermon on the Mount is is that this is life in the kingdom. This is, this, these are to be the contours, um, ethically, for people who, who receive his message and accept him as Savior and are, are being transferred, as Paul says over and over again, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his Son. So what Jesus is saying is, this, is, this should be the characteristics of my disciples. They need to be ruthless about sin in their own lives. That's the whole thing about anger and lust. Be ruthless about those things. In fact, he says, use that same principle in in dealing with sin in your life. Use the principle of eye for eye, tooth for tooth. He said, if your eye offends you, rip it out, better for you to get into heaven without it than than to to end up in hell with it. And the same with your hand. And so he, but here that it's transitioned from how do we how do we deal with sin in our own lives? And Jesus' response to that is be ruthless about it build big fences. If you're vulnerable to, um, to sexual sin, for instance, then stay far, far away from it. Make a fence bigger than that. If you're, uh, if you have a problem with anger, then, then build fences around that too, so that you're, you're not allowing anger to deal with it. I mean, a lot of, uh, sports figures, for instance, Tiger Woods, um, I know that, that his coach, his, his, I guess his psychological coach, told him that, that when you hit a bad shot, then, then count to 10 and let your anger go that long and then stop it right there. Don't allow it to go any further because it'll, it'll continue affecting your game if you allow that. So let that shot go after 10 seconds. You can hang on to the frustration or whatever you feel for 10 seconds, but then let it go, move on, do the next thing. And that's essentially what Jesus has said with regards to lust and anger. It, it has to do with dwelling on those things. As I said, you know, a casual glance where you see a beautiful woman or whatever, that, that's one thing. But lingering in that is the problem. Same with anger. You know, it, it, there's, anger is a, is a normal human emotion, but hanging on to that anger and allowing it to become bitterness, um, then that, that's going in a bad direction. And so Jesus says, be ruthless about that. Don't allow those things to have a foothold in your life. Um, deal with them and get rid of them and move on, um, lest you fall into greater sin. You know, the actual physical kinds of sin that would, that anger would tend to push us into physical violence. Lust is going to push us into a place where we, we would be sexually immoral. And so here, so in that regard, Jesus says, be ruthless in your life with these things. Use that principle of an eye for an eye. Not literally, don't pluck it out, but don't allow your eye to do that. You know, build fences where you're not allowing that to happen. So here, he's talking about that principle. He brings it up directly here and says, you've heard it said, but I say, don't resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, the the way that you would slap somebody on the right cheek would be to backhand them right because most people are right-handed and and everything in the bible so much of it is built on the idea that right-handedness so the only way that i can strike you on that back on the other cheek would be to to slap you with the back of my hand and so what jesus says is that if they do that turn the other to him also all these solutions that jesus provides here actually put you in, in, a, in a more powerful position and on equal footing with this person because somebody who backhands you isn't treating you as an equal. They're treating you with contempt and dismissiveness. And so Jesus says, nope, when they do that, go ahead and give them the other cheek and let them, let them decide if they want to punch you that way. But, he, but he's also, this is very specific, and I've had to have this conversation before in the church. It begins with, don't resist the one who is evil, it starts there cuz what i had in the church was a situation where somebody was doing I mean, they were intentionally trying to harm me and my family financially that he he was making a, an intentional decision to do that and he was a chair uh, he was the the treasurer of the church i was in rwanda Um, for a couple of weeks. And he withheld my paycheck because he was going on vacation, told everybody that if they needed to, if they needed anything financially, then they needed to contact him before he went on vacation. And then for whatever reason, he gave the books, the checkbook and everything to an accounting firm. And he refused to call them when anybody else asked him for a check. They were there basically, if he decided a check needed to be written. So when people said, you know, John's paycheck, and he said, well, nobody asked me in advance. Well, as the treasurer, he had two jobs, really. I mean, three in a larger sense, but but the two enumerated duties that he had had to do with paying the rent and paying me or the pastor or whatever, you know, it, but specifically me at that point. And, and so it was his responsibility to do that. He didn't do it out of meanness. And that was it. That was the only reason he did it. He refused to even call the uh, accounting firm and ask them to write a check. Fortunately, two, two men in the church wrote checks and paid my salary. Um, but I had to confront that guy, and then I had to fire him as treasurer because he, f- he refused to do his duty, and he was only doing what he was doing out of spite. So I had somebody come to me and say, John, you know, you're supposed to be the pastor. You're supposed to teach us how to turn the other cheek. And my response was, no, I'm supposed to teach you how to read the Bible because what it says is do not resist the one who is evil. Matthew 18, however, Tells you how to act when a brother sins against you, and that's a totally different issue. You confront that sin when it's a brother, but the evil person, Jesus says, if they strike you on the cheek, then give them the other as well. Now, in that application that I made for for my friend, it was well. So we can have it either way you want. I can treat him as an evil man, or I can treat him as a brother. But since he's unrepentant. And, and he was confronted by more than just me. I confronted him first, and then other people confronted him in the sin in exactly the way Matthew 18 envisions the process. Since he refused to repent of that, then he had to go. I had to fire him because he was an unrepentant brother. I said, but the other side of it is, is that if you want me to, I will, going forward, treat him as an evil man. But he can't be the treasurer if he's an evil man. And that's one of the things that people don't understand, I think, is this is that they want to make these applications of this without actually reading the context. And the context is very clear. don't resist the one who is evil. So if a, if, if you're sinned against it, it, by somebody in the church who claims to be a Christian, then that that's dealt with in a very different way. You confront that sin because it's it's for their benefit. It's to say you're not acting. Um, like you are a disciple of Jesus. And so it's got to be confronted. But here, it, it, this is a way of loving your enemies. And, and Paul says the same things in Romans. He, ta- he talks about, do good to those who hate you. For by doing so, you pour heap coals on his head. You know, that you won't be dragged down to their level, puts you in charge in the situation. It, it, and you see it most clearly, in my mind, at the cross. You know, who, for all the world, who looks to be in charge, right? The Romans and the Jewish establishment look like they're in charge. They're crucifying this man exactly the way they wanted to do. They're mocking him. They're spitting on him, and they're doing all this other stuff. But who is the person who's in control of the situation? Who's the only person there who's perfectly in control of their emotions, who didn't let their emotions run away with them? And that's Jesus. And what's his response while he's on the cross? to pray for them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In other words, they've lost their minds, and they literally don't know what they're doing. He he prayed for them, and he took pity on them because they were under a demonic deception, and they didn't know what they were doing because they had let their anger run away from them. Their expectations and their hopes that he wasn't meeting had run away with them, and so Jesus took pity on them. And, And, you know, the, the, that's exactly what he tells us in all these situations. If anyone sues you and takes your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. You know, Go the extra mile. If, hey, if, if, if it's that important to you, if you need my tunic so badly that you would sue me over it, well, then here, have my cloak as well, because you probably need that. And they're, it, if they're capable, <laughs> the intention of this is to shame them and to wake them up. It, it's not to humiliate them. It's literally to wake them up to the evil that they're doing. and And by you not responding in kind, I mean, this is what Gandhi said, this you know this nonviolent resistance, and it's it can be a powerful thing. It can be incredibly powerful. and And it's exactly what Jesus did. He did not fight at the time of his arrest. He didn't defend himself in a trial. And ultimately he prayed for them as they crucified him and it and it's that witness where jesus his his deeds match his words that's powerful and that's intended to be the way that we live and the witness that we give in the world as well it's really hard when somebody offends you when somebody does these kinds of things at, at whatever it is that they've done against you and, and Jesus says, you know, don't use the principle of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth against other people. In fact, whenever they offend you, go the extra step and do more than they're even asking. And then he says, if anyone forces you to go to a mile, go with him two miles. Well, the Roman army had a, um, had a policy of sorts called a press gang, and what they could do is they could force you, To carry a load for them for a mile and that's exactly what jesus is talking to talking about here this is a specific situation that that's that existed in that area at the time if if somebody forces you to go a mile as a roman soldier could do then go with him two miles so refuse to stop at the end of a mile he could only ask you to go a mile jesus says go two miles no, I, I'll go ahead and do this. And, and I can remember being in college and, and applying that very principle to my fraternity uh, when I was a freshman as a pledge. Um, w- one of the things we had to do was, with, was we would, at, at meals, you know, you could, people would say, you know, what, um, tell you what to get. So, all right, hey, I don't feel like standing in line green. You go get me this, you know. And so what I began to do was just go above and beyond the call of duty. I would come in and sit down. Without getting myself food and sit down and say, "Hey, what can I do for anybody here at the table?" You know, "Hey, if you want this, hey, do you want this as well?" You know, and and so and it irritated them. (laughs) Irritating and willing, cheerfully willing to go along with whatever it was they wanted to do, and and it worked. The strategy actually worked. Um, it, It people began to be less or more hesitant actually to accept it, and you know, and then. It, it, it is a strategy, though, that's based in, in love, and it's based in pity. It's based in the idea that, that someone's evil simply because they're living under some sort of a demonic deception, but this is a person who could later on be a brother or a sister in Christ. And so we, we, we're to treat them in that way. We're, we're not supposed to repay evil for evil in spite of the idea of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth being in the Bible, It's in the Old Testament. It's over and over in the Old Testament. And Jesus is saying that's not a principle for the new kingdom. The kingdom that I'm inaugurating that requires a different kind of thought about this. So he's giving us a different way to live in the kingdom of God. As he brings the kingdom and we come into the kingdom, he's telling us who now live in that kingdom that we're to live in a different way. And he's contrasting that with the world. And so it, it's, it's, a, it's a principled stand, and then give to the one who begs. Don't refuse the one who would borrow from you. Um, in, in other words, just let people—it's not let run, people run over you. That's not the point. The point is to say that, that live with open hands and the understanding that, that we are all uh, beggars in the sight of a holy God who created us. Everything we have comes from him. And so he says, give to the one who begs from you and don't refuse the one who would borrow from you. Um, and, and that's not always an easy principle to live by. When I was in Rwanda for the three-month period back in 2000, um, there, there were lots and lots of people who came and asked me for money. Because the, the presumption was I was probably wealthy because I was a Westerner. And the reality was I was wealthy because I was a Westerner compared to them. I wasn't a wealthy man by any stretch of the imagination, but, but compared to their situations, I was, I was incredibly wealthy. And so I had a driver, and dri- the driver's name was Fred, a wonderful guy. Um, and I asked Fred one time, I said, so you let me know who I should give money to. You know, I'm going to trust you to say, yes, it's okay to give that person money. And his response was don't give money to anybody. Um, and there was a context for why he said it uh, in that particular instance, but, but he meant it. Um, I it's like, it was what I realized was I don't have actually the discernment to do that. I, I attempted one time to give a kid money who, who was asking me for money as I came out of a shop in in Butari. And uh, as I came out, this kid asked me for money and I thought, well, OK, I'll palm him. What would amount to a dollar? It was five hundred one franc. And so I, I palmed it and kind of gave it to the kid. And then he took off and then all these other kids took off after him and and they were ready to beat him. And I thought, what in the world is going on over a dollar? Well, I had made a mistake. I had pulled out a five thousand franc note, not a five hundred franc note. So I gave him ten bucks, which would have been a huge amount because the dean of the cathedral there was only making about twenty bucks a month. So I, I, I potentially did harm to that kid by that, and so it. But Jesus is telling us of the ethics of living in the kingdom: is, is is allow yourself to be offended, allow yourself to. Um, To potentially be taken care, taken advantage of. I mean, Suzanne and I, we had some work done at the house. This is years ago now. Had some work done at the house. And after the work was finished, one of the guys who worked on the house, I mean, I I, I talked to everybody, right? So um, I had become friends with these guys. And so the guy, he said, hey, can I come and ask you something? I said, yeah, sure. So he and his girlfriend, wife, whatever she was, came and um, he asked for some money. I mean, he wanted to borrow some money and he brought me the things that he called his pretties. And and I don't know if any of these things actually had any value at all, but it just broke my heart. And and, it may, and he didn't need a huge amount of money; it was probably a thousand bucks or less. And so I said, "Sure," but I don't. I'm not going to hold collateral for that. I'm just going to do this. I never heard from him again. Um, but but it, when he left, I mean, afterwards, after he left, Susanna and I looked at each other and said, "You know, we're never going to get that money back." And and she said, "Yeah, I know." but she didn't tell you don't do it you know it was the important thing was to say you know i will allow myself to be taken advantage of and i'm willingly doing this for you i'm not holding your stuff i'm allowing i'm not keeping any of those things i'm giving you money because well because that's what i think jesus would have me do in that situation and so um I hope that this guy doesn't feel guilty about that today, because I've never thought about it again, except for when I tell these stories to say, you know, hey, this is this is the way we we're intended to live. It's not always fun. But the reality is, is that, that we're following the example that Jesus gave us, not just his teachings. And that's the important thing, I think, that we always need to recognize is that he fulfilled the things that he taught to the end even when he was in abject pain and had been uh, forsaken by the Father for our sake, he continued to pray for those who persecuted him, just exactly the way he told us to do. But So he is the example, and we're to be that same thing. We're to bring that same salt and light into the world that Jesus himself did. And, and we do all this in trusting that, that he's in charge. Ultimately, he's in charge of all this kind of stuff. And so I can allow myself to be in those situations and and not lose my sense of self or my own sense of dignity in those, because in essence, I'm making the decision about where this situation goes, not you. And that's important, that we continue to be in control of our emotions in, in all these things, and that we continue to follow the example of Christ in all things. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.